Hello, this is Elaine Chu, and today it is my pleasure to sit down and dialogue with Evex Hasono, one of Indonesia's most revered contemporary artists. Evex Hasono founded Gerakan Seni Rupa Baru in 1975, which pioneered the path for Indonesian conceptual art and engaged critically with, sometimes directly as protest, against and within Indonesia's social and political issues. Over the course of decades, his work has taken many forms, from installations to performance works to drawings and paintings and also multimedia such as video and film and addressed political oppression during the Suharto regime including the gagging of journalistic freedom of reporting as well as the ethnic cleansing of Indonesian Chinese minorities in Java. From 2009, Efex Hasono began delving into his own personal history and commenced an investigation actively tracking down the little-known mass grave sites of ethnic Chinese massacred in his native Java from 1947 to 1949. For this, he has produced a series of artworks for which reminiscence the title of his current exhibition in Sullivan and Strumpf is the penultimate. Evex Hasono has received the prestigious Joseph Ballestier Award for the Freedom of Art in 2015 for his decades-long commitment to art and freedom of expression presented by the U.S. Embassy in Singapore. He was also given the Prince Class Award in 2014, honoring his crucial role in Indonesia's contemporary art scene for 40 years. His work has been shown in over 100 exhibitions around the world, including the seminal Traditions, Tensions, Contemporary Art in Asia, shown in 1996 Asia Society in New York, and also at the first Asia-Pacific Triennial of Contemporary Art in Brisbane, Australia in 1993. A major career retrospective of his work was mounted in 2010 at the Singapore Art Museum entitled Efex Harsono Testimonies. In 2012, he had his first solo exhibition in the United States at Tyler Rollins Fine Art entitled Writing in the Rain. Midnight Moment, the world's longest-running nightly digital art billboard in Times Square, New York, featured Efex Harsono's work Writing in the Rain throughout January in 2018. Well, FX, welcome to the creative process. Thank you very much for your time. I want to uh, start off with talking about your current exhibition here at Sullivan and Strumpf, uh, Reminisce. Um, tell us a little bit about how you came to produce, what was the inspiration for, some, for the works in Reminisce? This show, on our, all of my work, talk about how the survivor from one massacre of the Chinese people during 1947 until 1949, uh, how the survivor was tried to, the memories of the survivor about, about the massacre itself. And then I make uh, one word with the other. And some of our work is talk about the uh, archive or document uh, who are writing by the Chinese uh, community in Indonesia, uh, make a report to the United Nations during 1951 about uh, what happened with the Chinese people in Java Island during 1947-49. A lot of Chinese people was, was killed at the time. Um, and the report is in a text, in a, um, like a report something. And then the documenting of the the Chinese uh, community in my hometown who tried to exhumation uh, the Chinese dead bodies who buried in everywhere during 1948. They kill and then they buried in everywhere. And my father took uh, the uh, documentation about that. So I will I mix the text and the visual. Uh, the other work is talk about also talk about uh, the the survivors' um, situation now. Um, when I met with survivor and um, and went to their uh, house, so I feel that uh, the happiness, the sadness, the future, the past uh, was mixed in that house. So they, 
they put all of the memory memorize um, memory about uh, the past and then put it together so that's that the work is to also talk about the, the sadness the, the dark history um, the family together in the in the in the house so I show it the uh, the memory of the survivor so that's all of the works is about that about 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 the memory of the survivor um when you first um this is actually in some ways uh, a decade long investigation into uh memories of the survivors um isn't it and on top of this, it's not just these two works. There's also been other works, and also there's a Google Map project that you do. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that Google Map project? And this basically is an investigation and a tracking into all the different uh, mass graves and uh, the, the sites that people don't actually know about. Yeah, uh, from my father's photograph, so I'm starting to make a research about the massacre in my hometown. That's the first time, 2009. And then after I found uh, some survivor and also visit the, the mass graves, and then I make an artwork and show it. And after that, so I got a lot of information from other people that in other places there's also uh, mass graves. And then I'm starting to make a research in other places, in other in other cities, and I found a lot of uh, things, uh, mass graves and anything. Until this time, I already visited fifteen mass graves, and uh, in every mass graves, I try to find survivor information and anything. And of course, that's not very easy, because uh, one. Uh, the, this is an untold history, and the Chinese people itself they feel that this is the dark uh, history. So it's true like that they don't want to talk about that. They say that that's a, there is a dark situation at that time. It's better if we not talk about that. But uh, I try to find some people who want to talk. So that's why my research take a long time, because uh, it's not very easy to to meet uh, the person who knows about that, also to meet with the survivor. Mm. And then uh, after I found some mass graves, and then I make a photograph, I make a, an artwork, I try to find uh, the survivor and until this time I already found about four or five uh, survivor but uh, because they are already old more than more of or maybe maybe all of them was more than 90 years old uh, now still alive two survivor the other that I've met in 19 in, in 2000 10, 2014, something like that, they already passed away. Mm. Two, three years ago, they passed away. So, uh, and then I make, a, of course, I make a interview with them and make a documentary film. I hope that at the end of this year, that documentary film will be finished. Uh, now still on progress and on editing uh, progress. There are also actually two other documentary films, correct, that you made during this period, and Duda, as well as um, the other one was Testimony. Is that correct? <clears throat> testimony is not about the massacre. Testimony is about my mother's uh, friend, how they think, how they think about culture and hybridity, something like that. But Duda is documentary film about. A massacre in my hometown in Blitar. Yeah, uh, I met with some people and I made an interview, something like that. Another uh, documentary film that I made, it's about a uh, survivor. So the last survivor, how they feel, how they uh, can survive nothing until they uh, become people who can manage their life. During this process of interviewing and finding out all the buried history, were you ever afraid or did you feel as if, you know, 
it might be dangerous. There might be risks involved in uncovering a history that perhaps isn't part of official history and may not, you know, certain places or, you know, depending, the government may not want it to be broadcast, I suppose, or revealed or, you know, have a light shone on it in a way that can generate some kind of attention. As an art, or I'm, I'm producing an, uh, an art, visual art, um, make a film and anything, I'm, I feel comfortable. I'm not worried with the government uh, about that. But for the documentary film and also uh, writing a book, history of about this, this massacre, that's, I found a lot of uh, problem. Like the issues about the Chinese is, is sensitive in Indonesia. So I plan to uh, publish a book, maybe not in Indonesian language, but maybe in English first. And after that, they, the, uh, this is uh, already published in English or in English version. So I will think about how if I publish in Indonesian version. Now uh, the book was still on progress. I, someone who, uh, I, I, I collaboration with one uh, historian. Uh, his name is uh, Rafandu Lee, and now he studying for his PhD in Melbourne, um, in Melbourne University. If I'm not wrong, yes, that's that's. Uh, for me, it's it's okay. It, it doesn't matter. I will, uh, I will continue to make an artwork and also uh, to write a book, documentary film, but I'm still thinking about how to distribute the film and also how to distribute the book. That's the problem. Another thing about Reminisce, I think, and also about your investigation into the uh, massacres um, and the, you know, the genocide of, of Chinese Indonesians as a minority, I think one of the things that um, is really remarkable is the fact that you're really wearing two hats as a historian as well as an artist. Um, do you find that it's difficult for an artist to deal with history because it's so much sometimes, you know? Yes. I don't have a historian background. But uh, I just try to, uh, to to try to find the story from the past and read a book about how to uh, dealing with the history and uh, how to dealing with the archive and anything. I'm starting to use research as a piece of my artwork from 1985. So, uh, of course, uh, I I'm not have any methodologies of research as a social uh, science. As an artist, uh, for me, um, methodology is uh, is depend on on every every artist. So for me, it's a it's not have uh, methodology or, or are very very strict as a social as a, as in social science. And then, I collecting a lot of things. I got. Uh, archive, I got the film, I got the photograph, and then I just only thinking how I use all of these things to show uh, as an art, but not the meaning of, of the stories still exists. So, two, so two things, to give a new value for the uh, research, photograph, and anything to make an artwork. But how to make the artwork who the story still exists, so the people can understand. Oh, this is talk about these things, not just only uh, manipulate uh, the archive and anything to be an art. Yeah. 
So uh, I must to be honest to use this all of this as uh, archive and anything. I don't want to manipulate if I say that if there is a, a, a report or if there's an archive. So I want to show that this is archive. This is not my archive. This is archive that I found in some way. But I give something so the the archive become a, become a new uh, new uh, value like that word the memorandum I put it on archive as a text and a photograph as a visual archive to mix together become new archive memorandum of inhumane yeah. acts yeah. Yes. inhuman acts yeah Perhaps you can also talk a little bit about the Google Map project that you've been embarking on. Oh, yeah, that's very interesting. When I uh, try to find uh, mass graves in different places, so some of the, of the mass graves already demolished, already disappeared. Mm -hmm. because, uh, because a lot of things, because of the, not because of the politics, not because of the politics, but because of the, uh housing the people want to make a house in like the people want to occupy um graveyard as a house as a housing area so they demolish all of the house become a housing area it's economic development yeah, is economy, it? yeah. the other also about uh same about the economic development using this place for a mall for for like a, a supermarket or for something like that, so they must uh, change this or, or change this the place into the other place. So uh, I feel that maybe one day some of this mass grave will be disappear because of demolize. Some of the people was uh, stealing. They because the, the the Chinese community not protected the 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 graveyard. Uh, if I put it in a Google Map, even uh, the grave, the mass grave already di disappear. So we still have. We can still know that in this place before there are uh, mass graves. And so I took a photograph of the mass grave and put it into the Google Map. So the people can see, oh, the the graveyard before like this. And if they want to come to the grave, the, the mass, mass graves, they can uh, using the Google Map to go there. They can find it. They can find it. Yeah. I want to now move a little bit back in time, mm -hmm. uh, go down memory lane, I suppose, because mm -hmm. you're also one of the major founders of Gerakkan Seni Rupabaru, and which is huge, really. It's seminal um, because in some ways it really signified a turn in Indonesian contemporary art. Mm -hmm. So let's go back a little bit in time to um, Gerakkan Seni Rupabaru. How did you come to f found the art movement? What does it mean um, to your mind for the Indonesian art scene? Yeah, during the time I was as a student, that's in 1973, 74. Uh, as a student, we uh, try to criticize uh, the situation of the art. And we have a, a group, a small group, in, in the in an art college in Yogyakarta. And we discuss about the uh, identity of the uh, art in Indonesia. Uh, we say that if we still using uh, or producing the work, use uh, Western theory, Western technique, Western medium. So the people always say that, oh, this is from Western, this is from the West. This is painting. What kind of painting? Oh, abstract. 
and then they started to see the theory of uh, abstract from the West to to criticize our work. So how to make a, <clears throat> uh, our identity to, and to make the people not you cannot using the the Western uh, theory uh, mainstream theory. And then well, we discussed for many years and try to make a experiment to make an art until one day we say that okay we will try to or to take anything from our daily life that can show the social and political issues because Indonesia is a very diverse if we talk just only based on a one uh, tradition, cannot represent Indonesia because then in Indonesia those the cultures are very diverse. So uh, one thing that in Indonesia, in everywhere, same, there is a political and social issues. Under the Suharto regime, where the military was very strong and military was uh, repressing the people at the time called depolitization. Mm -hmm. So everybody cannot make any activities who related or showing the political uh, thinking or the political active activism, something like that. And then we use any kind of uh, object that we found in our daily life to showing that this is, I want to talk about the political and social issues. And then when we show it in, in uh, one uh, show at the time called uh, New Art in Jakarta in 1975, and sadly people say that this is not an art. Because they think that art is only painting, sculpture, and graphic uh, or printmaking. Because they don't, they cannot find all of them things. They just only saw uh, an object in the gallery. Object is a is a, a daily life of found object. I put it. We put it in 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 a, in a gallery. So they say that this is not an art because art just only painting and sculpture and and then uh, but the 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 young art critic and young curator they say that no this is a new art in fact now is a good time to talk about paling top the name paling top and the artwork itself maybe you can tell us the uh, you know what what the work involved yeah. Yeah, like what I said before, uh, we want to talk about the political and situation uh, at the time. And military was very strong. So I want to talk about anti-militarism. How to talk uh, anti-militarism. I use uh, any kind of uh, a toys, crackers, anything, who the form of the gun. Mm. And it's very easy to to find the the uh, toys got in the, in a in a in a in a shop, and then I put the toys gun uh, the form of the of the gun M sixteen. I put it in a one box, and then I covered with the mess wire. I just want to say that we no need gun anymore to make this country become or to make people become uh, safe and democracy become, uh, this country become a democracy uh, country. So we don't need a gun. And then at the time I make some work uh, using a gun, uh, toys gun, toys pistol, and pistol crackers uh, to show that uh, the idea from the anti-militarism. And paling top itself means uh, the most, right? The most, yeah, the most top 
at 1975 is the people who has a gun. So uh, if you have a gun, it means that you have a power. If you have power, so you are in the top, in the in the in the higher position of this country. And if you have a gun and you are uh, in the top of post, uh, position at, at the top of this country, so you can repress anything, any people. And Rantai Yang Yang Santai, yeah. the it's the translation is uh, I think it's called. Um, the relaxed chain. chain. Yes. Yeah. Um, at the time, uh, the the repression of the government was very very strong, until the people afraid to talk about politics. Even in the bedroom, even in the uh, very. Um, very individual, very uh, safe space, like a room, like a room, a bedroom, and where there are a mattress and also a pillow, and they're still afraid to talk about politics because of the politicization from the government until the people feel that oh, it's unsafe in everywhere to talk about politics, even in our private room. So I make that work. That the, the pillow, the mattress, uh, tied with the rantai, with the chain. So the chain itself, it's look like a relax in in a in a in a bedroom. But the owner of the bedroom also tied with the chain. This is actually one of the themes that we see in your works after that, following that, in Voice Without Voice, for example, uh, the suppression of um, freedom of expression. Um, so in terms of that work, you know, Voice Without Vo Voice, perhaps you can describe a little bit the social context in that which led you to make that work. Um, and... It's a very powerful work as well, so I'd love to have a description of it from your from your perspective. At the time, uh, the government always say that we are a democracy. We are a democracy country. It's not like everybody can speak, but no, in the in the in the our daily life or in the practice, no one can criticize the government. That's uh, 1994. Um, I forgot the date, the the, the the date and the month. Two weeks before the opening of my solo show, there is two, three um, newspaper and magazine. One magazine and one tabloid and one newspaper was banned by the government. And then I, I realized that oh. In, in this country, the people cannot have freedom to speech. Everything was controlled by the government. If the media, or the, the news was try to criticize the government, the government can ban uh, the, all of the media. And then uh, I make that work. I make uh, I bought, um, I don't know, 150 or 200 uh, the Japanese masks and I cut the mouth and I put the mouth in the middle. Uh, so I make that work. That's uh, the voice who control by the power. And also I make uh, a photograph of uh, my hand from the uh, to show that uh, this is the, the language of the deaf deaf people called uh, democracy but that's in a symbol of a hand for the deaf people uh, you know deaf deaf people yes, yes. Uh, <clears throat> sign language sign language sign language uh, the sign language uh, was democracy why 
I use a sign language to talk about democracy because there is no real democracy. So democracy is just only a symbol that no one can understand that. Just only a few people who understand that, who can understand about what is the democracy and the, and the, the practice of democracy in our daily life. The exhibition in which this work was shown, the voice without voice, the hands making the symbols uh, and then spelling out, you know, in sign language, the word democracy, um, that, that exhibition also had an installation in front of it, didn't it? Sort of, it had ink as well as um, sort of like an ink pad. It resembled something, there was a desk, there was a desk and there's oh, a... Yeah. It sort of, I think the idea was to evoke like an electoral station when you go for an election or is it to, for, you know, like a school, you know, if you're learning about democracy, you know, democracy. democracy. Um, yeah, the, the STEM is to show what world, uh, what world in this, what world who represent by this symbol. There's when, when the people chop this stamp so they can find a democracy. Mm -hmm. And then some people asking me why to, to talk democracy is so difficult. And then I say that it's said in this is in this country it's easy to say something related with the democracy. It's not, isn't it? Yes. So that's why. Um, I also want to go on to destruction, actually, which is, um, was that sort of the time when you turned to performance art or one of the f first performance artworks that you uh, made? Mm, I'm not a performance artist. That's at the time I say like that. But this political situation at the time become a very chaos. Some of the church was burned. So, uh, the office of one party in Jakarta also burned. By whom? Uh, the people don't know. And say that by someone, by some people who don't like a church, by someone who don't like uh, the office of the, this party. Uh, also, uh, some people was disappear, uh, disappear until this time that we don't know where they are, where they, where they dead bodies. So, so like kidnapped by some group of people. But we know that there are uh, who, who, who kidnap, who burn the office of the of the uh, one party, and who burn the church. We know. All of the people don't say. They are military at the time, a group of military. So I'm very angry at the time. I feel that I must to show the destruction in this country was made by someone, by some group of the, of the, of the, a group of the people who has a power. We cannot say who they are, but we know who they are. And then I want to show my, my feeling. I want to show my feeling who are very angry at that time with the political situation. I want to show how I destruct uh the chair uh the chair a symbol of the of the uh power and also the mass the symbol of the of of the people i burn and then i cut i show i cut and this is a destruction that i want to show to the people and out of that uh all of the things that i already cut i put it in a in a in a gallery so the performance just only want to show how I make an artwork because I'm very angry and then I destruct 
lot of things, and then I put it in, in, in a gallery. I watched the uh, video of that performance, and I have to say it's very, very gripping. I mean, the, you, you, there were three masks, and each mask symbolized a party yes, in Indonesia. Time, yeah, because at the time, in Indonesia, just only has a three party. One is, uh, yeah, Muslim party, and one is a nationalist, uh, and the other is a government party. Yeah. So, but even there are three party, they are controlled by one person who has a power. Correct. Um, and you set the mask on fire, but you were you yourself actually in the video. I was uh, intrigued by this, and I wanted to ask you because you were wearing a suit. Mm. Um, so why a suit? And your face was also painted. Mm. Um, so why was your face painted? Uh, my my face was painted uh, as a Rahwana. Rahwana is uh, one bad person in a uh, Ramayana epic. Bad person who has a power uh, in Ramayana epic. Um, but I want to show Rahwana in uh, in uh, nowadays using a shoot uh, to show that I'm modern, but I'm a ugly person. I have a power, I want to uh, distract anything, like what I want. That's about, uh, what I want to say. So I use a shoot, shoot to show that I'm a modern person. I'm a modern person who using a shoot, uh, but um, I'm an ugly, ugly person. I think this sort of the, from that artwork, that performance work where you burned the masks, um, burned victim, uh, sort of, there's been, a, there are a number of works that you've made which involves burning, um, but burned victim is, is one of them. That was a direct reference to the May 1998 riots, wasn't it? Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about the social context which led you to produce this work? Yeah. During uh, 15, 14 and 15 May 1998, there is a big riot in Jakarta. And uh, there is uh, some people who provoke uh, the ordinary people to come into the mall and steal all of the things in the mall. After they, the people was come into the mall. So suddenly, this group of the people who provoking the people to, to come inside the mall and took anything from the mall. So they close the door and they burn the, the mall. So at the time, a lot of people was die because of the mall was burned and they cannot come going out from the mall because the mall was closed by the people. I saw the photograph from uh, some, my friend, an activist who took the picture of the burn, uh, the, the dead people with the burden bodies. So I'm very sad and very angry at the time. So I make a work, some work about the situation. One is a burned victim, and the other is a, a Republic Indo Chaos, um, and also some work who related with 1998, uh, May 1998. Yeah. And then I think after the fall of Suharto in 1998, um, well, art historians or commentators have sort of said that your body of work then began to turn inward and your portrait of yourself began to make an appearance in some of your works. Uh, for example, uh, you know, I think we're talking about my body as a field. Um, so, and also, uh, you know, open your mouth, for example. Um, the... So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what led to the turn inwards to 
you know, include self-portrait in your works um, when you began to examine more your own history as a Chinese minority in Indonesia? Yeah. After 1998, the political situation was changed, totally changed. Uh, we call it reform, reformasi, reformation. Uh, the political change, the culture change, a lot of things was changed. Before, during the or new order, during the Suharto, we just only have uh, four TV stations. One is a government station, TV station, and the other three is uh, Suharto's uh, son and daughter's uh, TV station. Yeah, it's mean that they, they ask talk about the, the the power of the of the to talk about the Suharto. But after nineteen ninety eight, so a lot of suddenly a lot of TV station was uh, developed. A lot of situation, so the people can speak. Uh, there's a freedom to speak. The, the people can criticize the government, the uh, media or news, or they can criticize the government. So totally changed, and then suddenly I feel, oh, the situation changed. And then I make a word about the transition. Open your mouth. So it's look like that. Open your mouth. Everybody can speak. Why you don't open your mouth? And then I realize, even they open your mouth, even they speak, even they uh, have freedom to speak, but not all, all of the people who uh, they they talk, they talk or they uh, criticizing the government, not in a good uh, value, not 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 good for the for the situation itself. And then, uh, yeah, I show that some of that work uh, to show uh, how the situation changed. And is that why all the mouths in "Open Your Mouth" are white spaces? Yes. It's like, a, like a no, 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 no content of the of the speech. Or maybe they don't even know what to say. Yes. And also, there's a, a, another work that I made. It's a blank spot on my TV. I make a... Yeah, so every evening, I after I pack from the of, uh, my office, uh, from and then I saw a TV, a news in the TV. So I saw, wow, that's a very interesting. Everybody can talk. Everybody can criticize the government. So i documenting the TV with my camera take a photograph and then and then I pick a lot of photograph and then I select it and then I make an artwork I print the, the photograph of the TV in the middle of the TV there is a, a white spot so it's look like that uh, all of the activities in the TV was disappeared because in in the middle in the mouth there's no mouth it was also about this time that you came across the photographs that your father took of the um, some of the victims, right? Or that's uh, later. That's uh, two thousand nine. Um, but before that, I'm starting to questioning about myself. What I want to do now, because the situation changed. People can criticize the government. They have a freedom to talk, to speech. And what my work, what I want to do now. Uh, during my, uh, I questioning about my myself. So I realized that oh, I'm a Chinese. I'm a minority in Indonesia. I got a lot of discrimination before. So suddenly I realized that before I criticize the government, I'm focusing on 
against the the government who are very suppressing the 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 people. But now I realize that I already got a, a discrimination. And then suddenly I feel that okay, I want to talk about myself. Let's let's talk a bit more about that. Your name, for example, you have a Chinese name. Yes, when I was born, I have a Chinese name. But at nineteen ninety six, ninety seven, when I was eighteen years old, so I must choose become Indonesian citizen or become a Chinese citizenship. In Indonesia, uh, the baby who was born in Indonesia automatically not become Indonesian. They must choose after eighteen years old. They must choose. To, must choose. I want to be Indonesian or I want to be uh, Chinese citizen. When I choose as an Indonesian citizen, it means that I must change my name into Indonesian name. There is a new rule in in Indonesia during that time. After nineteen sixty five, the school cannot show. I cannot teach the the Chinese language. The Chinese people cannot practice their culture. The Chinese people cannot practice their Chinese New Year. The Chinese people, if they become Indonesian citizen, they must change their name into Indonesian name. So I change my Chinese name into Indonesian name. But after 1998, so the political change, situation changed, totally changed. The school can teach Mandarin. The Chinese New Year become a holiday, so all the Chinese people can celebrate their Chinese New Year. The Chinese people can go to the to the temple to pray. And then I realized, oh, I have a Chinese name before. And then I starting to learn again uh, to try to to write my Chinese name again. And then I make a performance using my Chinese name. What was the Chinese name? My Chinese name is uh, Hu Feng Wen or Oh Hong Bun. Yeah. And then I changed into Harsono. FX is uh, my Catholic name, uh, Francis Safir. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what do you know what the what 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 the Chinese name means? Um, when I ask to some people, what what's the the mean of uh, the mean of my name? They say that oh, uh, your name is to show that Fong. It's mean harvest. Harvest. Yeah, and one is uh, literature. Mm. So it's been that Fong one is uh, like a harvest of. Uh, art or culture or literature or something like that. So you were always meant to be in the arts. Yeah. <laughs> um, it looked like that. I was born as an uh, as an artist. <laughs> yes. But rewrite, uh, writing in the rain then becomes a very powerful work because there you are consistently, continuously writing your name in Chinese in black ink using Chinese ink. Mm -hmm. And then it all gets washed away by rain. What was in your mind when you uh, when you write, when you're performing that work? In some ways, that's also performance work. Yes. It's a performance work, although there is also documentation. Mm -hmm. That's a video performance. I want to say that I have a Chinese name. And I want to show to the people I have a Chinese name. And then I write, write again, write again. But after that, so there is a raining, rain come and then wash all of the text, all the name that I already write in in a class. It's mean that uh, even I want to show that I have a Chinese name, but for thirty year, thirty two years, I already use my new name, Harsono. So now the people knows Harsono. So it's me that I, now I, 
I exist. My name is existence of myself now. So I uh, I'm thinking that it's it's not necessary to use the Chinese name or remember my Chinese name again. So now I'm become a Harson. Um, but what's interesting is that um, for me, uh, experiencing watching the video of writing in the rain and then uh, encountering a different work of yours, uh, pilgrimage into history where you made rubbings mm -hmm. of Chinese names from a mass gravesite. There's... Um, a congruence in some ways, they echo each other. It's like an echo. Um, and it's a troubling echo as well as a sad one. Um, this rewriting and the writing of the names is something that I think you keep coming back to because it, 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 you know, many different works that you've produced have this you know, aspect to it, the writing of the Chinese name. What significance do you, why do you, why do you feel that, um, what draws you? What keeps you going back to this again and again and again and again? Uh, the work that I rubbing uh, textile at the top of the tombstone from the mass graves, that's starting from my research about uh, Chinese uh, massacre during 1947-49. Uh, I'm starting to make research because of my father's photograph. My father is a photographer, and uh, he make a documentation about the exhumation of the Chinese people who killed uh, during 1947-48 in my hometown. And then I uh, visit some mass graves I found. I try to found some mass graves in other place. And then when I saw a mass grave, there is a, a tombstone. And in the, at the tombstone, there, uh, the Chinese people always write name of the people who buried in this, buried in this uh, graveyard. In the, in the, in the graves, uh, mass graves. Uh, and then, I'm thinking that how I can keep uh, the the mass graves. I cannot, I cannot steal or I cannot. Uh, what is it? Uh, take the gravestone, of course. But how? I if, if I just only take a photograph, so that's just only a photograph. I need something who are. Uh, there is like a part of this graves. And then I realized, oh, if I put a textile in the top and then I'm rubbing, so I'm rubbing from the original. So it's like this is a part, this is a part of a gravestone. And then I make it. And when I'm starting to uh, rubbing, so I'm also thinking, this is my pilgrimage. This is this is the way that I pilgrimage to the to the victim. And then I make a documentation of the of of my rubbing as my performance and also my pilgrimage. Yes, and the personal, the writing of your personal name mm -hmm. becomes part of that collective mm -hmm. identity doesn't it? It becomes, it's almost now the Chinese, the identity of Chinese Indonesians in, 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 in the larger fabric of Indonesia is in some ways very much tied to this, what, to what happened to this erasure, you know, government trying to erase mm -hmm. the, the Chinese identity. Yeah. 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 That's right. Uh, when, the, um, you know, if someone uh, have a son, have a baby, they give a name. So name, 
not just only a name for the uh, Chinese people, for the uh, the traditional people in Indonesia or in everywhere, I think. That's not just only a name. That's a hope, a pray from the uh, parent to the baby. I hope that if you become a man or a woman or a human, you, have, you make a very good person, become a very good person, you become a rich people, you become a wise people. So using the name, that name is a prey. Name is a prey. So when they, uh, the, the government, the Indonesian government, forced to uh, the people to change their name, it's in the, they uh, erase the hope of their parents. And then they give a new name. But even they give a new name, the new name is also a, a hope and pray for themselves to to for the uh, from from the self from from them to themselves, <coughs> not from the parent. Yeah, I like that. It's it's a beautiful way to say it that your name is a prayer. My name is Michelle Limpe, a freshman at Johns Hopkins University, pursuing degrees in chemistry and public health studies. Coming from a mixed Filipino-Chinese heritage, I was definitely intrigued when FX Harsono discussed the many cultures that he identifies with and how he was somewhat forced into forgetting about his Chinese heritage in favor of his Indonesian one. However, the most inspiring part about his story is when he had his epiphany that sparked his journey towards rediscovering his Chinese ancestry. I strongly believe that a person must have a deep understanding and appreciation for his or her identity in order to gain a sense of his or her place in the world. The concept of identity may be a very broad subject, but we all know that it remains to be a universal struggle where individuals are challenged to answer the simple question of who am I? Now, as a college student, I do struggle more than ever with knowing my own identity. When you are thrust out of your comfort zone into a new environment, you begin to find new experiences that make you question your sense of self. This may be from the very first act of having to choose a major, to meeting new friends that have different ideas and opinions from you. What I have realized is that while I was in college, this was where I began to take a stronger stance in appreciating my cultures. I am Chinese. I am Filipino. I am American. I am Catholic. I take pride in all of these attributes that make me who I am, where I find a great joy in sharing who I am with others while also learning about them. My background and culture are what have formed me. They have allowed me to develop a passion for the sciences and writing. While my faith has strengthened my love for community service, I often remember during my mission youth experiences where I went to indigenous communities in the Philippines to evangelize and offer both emotional and corporal relief. I recall the surprised expressions on young children when they would see my fair skin and small eyes then hear me talking Filipino. I saw those moments as a way for me to reconcile all the various cultures and backgrounds within me while finding an appreciation in my identity. When FX Harsono talked about having to choose between his cultures, it did sadden me. But this also helped me to appreciate the era I live in now, an era where I'm free to live out my mixture of backgrounds but having, without having to feel forced into one. However, his story gives me hope and joy when he discusses his rediscovering of his journey. I agree with him when he says that a name is a prayer and holds much power. His rediscovery of his Chinese and Catholic names allowed me to regain aspects of his self that he lost because of factors outside of his control. On a lighter note, I am amused to see that he and I share the character Wun in our Chinese names.
For those of you just joining us, we are speaking with F.X. Harsono. So how does it feel then to have your work shown on Times Square in uh, New York on a major digital billboard where you're writing your name in front of all these amazing New York lights and glamour? <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I'm fairly shocked at that time because, oh, it's amazing. My, suddenly, my, my, my video was showing not just only in one uh, panel, LED panel, but in 16, and then I, oh, it's amazing. I feel that, oh, it's, of course, that's very happy for me. Uh, my my video was showing in the in the Times Square. What was the reaction that you have that that have been filtered through back to you? The feedback, people's reception. Uh, yeah, of course. When they, uh, I put it in a, in a, in a social media, and the people, of course, they, they say that wow, this is, uh, this is uh, amazing, amazing. And also, uh, Voice of America also say that uh, when they interview me, this is this is in the the only one Indonesian artist who can show the work in the Times Square. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, so we want to come back around now to uh, our educational initiative at uh, the Creative Process and talk a little bit about the role of art, the role of the artist in education. You're a teacher, I understand, as well. Um, so how do you see the future of um art in education, how can we incorporate, bring art more into um, educating? How, how can we do that in a way that isn't pedagogic, that isn't sort of stratified, that isn't sort of a top-down, you know, officials trying to tell you this is what you should know, this is how you should be educated, there's only one way to do it. How, how do we do that with art, do you think? Um, art is... Uh... People, if they understand art, they they make an art, make, not become an artist, but they like an art. They understand art. So uh, the the effect is not just only like an art, but their feeling. They uh, mentality, the ethical, they a lot of things become more also. Uh, to to respect to the other people, mm. respect to the culture, respect to the human life, and a lot of things. Because art uh, make their feeling become more... Uh, it connects us to the human condition, yes, isn't it? Yes, it's a universal yes, thing. Yes. And it's democratic yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? And mostly, like in Indonesia, this is a very important because Indonesia is a very diverse. Uh, so, we must, uh, the people must understand about the, not the monoculture, but uh, multicultural uh, in, in our daily life. I met with, we met with the other ethnic, we, we uh, knows the other, not knows, but understand, but we know that the other people has other, we must respect with, not become an artist, but become to understand and uh, to learn about art. That is very important for the, for the, for the children, for the future, in the future. And for your body of work, mm -hmm. it's so important in terms of how, um, you are a witness to many decades of important Ind Indonesian history. And also a monument, your work is a monument to not forgetting, you know, the sacrifice of, wit of people in the past, mm -hmm. victims. So I want to thank you very much for your participation in the creative process. This interview was conducted by Elaine Chu with the participation of collaborating universities and students. 
Associate Interviews Producer on this podcast was Michelle Limpe. Assignment Editor is Sorella Lark. Digital Media Coordinator is Camille Montelino. Wintertime was composed by Nicholas Anadolis and performed by the Athenian Tree. If so, you can submit your creative works to submissions at creativeprocess.info for an opportunity to be included in the projection elements of our exhibition, Traveling to Leading Universities, or published on our website, www.creativeprocess.info. If you want to get involved in our exhibitions or interviews, email us at team at creativeprocess.info.